Hey, hey, what's happening? Episode three, Spinning Yarn with me, Ollie. What's going on? What is going on? I'm sick of the repetition in my days now, aren't you? Sick of the same routine. You know, I, I go downstairs in the morning and make a coffee and I'm like changing up the mug I use every day just to fucking, you know, put a little bit of uh, uh, variety in my routine. Huh? The smallest things that, you know, that are changing the way your day's going now are, are like huge. I was laying in bed last night and... Uh, this little bird come up to the window and started tapping on the, the window. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, a bird, a bird. You know, just getting excited over the smallest things. Because we've all had enough, haven't we? We've all had enough. But I'll tell you what, as soon as everyone's allowed out, it's going to be carnage, I reckon. Absolute carnage. You imagine being a doorman on that first night out. Fuck that. Yeah? You imagine what you're going to have to put up with. Because everyone's going to say the same thing, aren't they? I'm just going to be sensible, you know? I might have a pint or two, but I ain't losing my head. Two hours later, ten Jaeger bombs down, they're fucking spinning on their head on the dance floor like Chris Brown. You know it's going to happen. You know it's going to happen. The kebab shops, I'd have the riot police in the kebab shops because there's going to be fucking mozzarella slices flying all about the place. There's going to be some scraps in the kebab shops when we open. That's how you know we're back to normal, innit? And you're British. Uh, someone throwing a fucking uppercut in a kebab shop at some bloke that's just trying to get his head down and eat his dollar kebab with extra garlic mayo on it. It always happens. Always kicks off in the kebab shop. Why is that? Why is that? Everyone's all right in the club. You know, you're like, yeah, how you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm having a good night, mate. Yeah, fucking love it. You bump into that same geezer half an hour later in the kebab shop and it's like that Wellstone Raider, isn't it? Like, if you want some, I'll give it yeah. And then before you know it, there's fists flying about. Someone's lost a tooth. Uh, all kinds of shit going on, yeah? And you're going to, how many people are you going to see out on them benches uh, being comforted by, bless them, the Samaritans, or what are they called? Them street angels that go out and about. You know, you know someone's in a bad state when they've got that foil blanket round them. <laughs> that is game over, my friend. When you've got the foil blanket round you, uh, because they don't want you getting hypothermia, that's it. You're out, mate. You've been tagged out the game. You're going to feel very bad the next morning. Yeah? You ever ended up like that? You you stumble out of the club and you think, yeah, I'm all right, I think. I'll just have a quick kebab and I think that'll straighten me up. Half an hour later, you've passed out in your doner kebab, red onions all round your face, and you've got that fucking foil blanket round you as you're waiting for your mum to come and pick you up. No? Just me? Ah. Good times, good times. <laughs> Lots to look forward to, though. Lots to look forward to. But what I want to know is, what are the people on Facebook who warn us about two people meeting up outside for non-exercise activities going to do? You know the ones I mean. Karen and Jane. Um, I don't mean to alarm anyone. And, and this is just, this isn't for likes. This isn't for attention. This is just to spread awareness. Um, but I actually saw two individuals in the park earlier. 
Um, and they seem to be conversing over a caramel hazelnut cappuccino and they weren't actually exercising and i'm on the government website right now and i'm looking at the regulations and it says nothing about enjoying a latte on the bench with one other person fuck off what's going to happen to them i'll tell you what's going to happen to them sort of people they're going to go back to going on facebook and playing their farmville game you know that's it you're going to fade into obscurity and everyone's going to ignore them like we used to. These sad little people. You've had your moment. You've had that little bit of power to report people. And now it's gone. Now it's gone. And now we can all move on again. Guy, you can tell that's been uh, weighing down on my consciousness. Conscience, sorry. Consciousness, conscience. I've got a stag do in August in Vegas. Looking forward to that. One of my best friends is getting married. Um... So I reckon that's going to be pure anarchy, really, out there. Whenever I think of Vegas, because I haven't been myself, this will be my first time out in America, I always think of the film The Hangover. Don't you? You know, with Alan and that. So if it falls short of that, I can only be disappointed because that's the only reference point I've got. So unless I wake up in the morning face down on the bathroom tiles and I look to my right and there's a Siberian tiger next to me drinking out the shower... I'm only going to be disappointed, surely. <laughs> so it's got to be crazy. It's got to be mad because it's got to live up to that. And aside from that, um, what I've been talking about doing for years and years and years, and I thought this would be my first trip to America, um, but it won't be because of Vegas. I want to do Route 66. You know, I ride a motorbike. I love motorbikes. You can't beat it. And I've just got, I always had this romantic idea in my head of me just, leather jacket on big old aviators big old rented harley tassels hanging out the side of the handlebars then big old saddlebags on the back oh mate fucking live it does life get any better than that so that's what i'm gonna do end of the year i'm getting myself over to america just me renting a bike out and just cruising doing the route 66 oh man i'm excited just thinking about it um you know, I always think of, you ever see Sons of Anarchy? When they're all just cruising around with, you know, the mates. All right, they blow people's heads off and that, and I won't be doing that. But, uh, you know, just where they're cruising with their friends on these open roads, just miles and miles of straight road and, and amazing uh, backdrop around them, you know, all the canyons and stuff. Ah, oh, mate, that is just living that. That is what I'm looking forward to end of the year. And then before that, you know, I'm a big boxing fan, massive boxing fan. We've got Billy Joe versus Canelo, Billy Joe Saunders versus Canelo, a fight um, I've been looking forward to for a long time. I'm a big fan of Billy Joe. I think he's an amazing boxer, but I just can't see him currently getting past Canelo. Canelo's just too damn good, man. He's got head, uh, he's got head movement, he's got a great chin, he's got power, he's got speed, he's got the stamina. Um, he's just too good. He's too good. But, you know, you never know. Billy's a crazy good boxer, very intelligent guy in the ring. Um, I think he can give him trouble. And then moving on from that fight, we've also got the big one, the biggest British boxing fight in history, Anthony Joshua versus Titan Fury. Oh, my days. I've been waiting years for this, like every boxing fan. The two, you know, all the heavyweight belts 
are on this little island in, you know in Britain I don't think that's spoken about enough uh, it's definitely not spoken about enough this little island has every heavyweight belt that is just incredible insane and you know I'm a big fan of both men a big fan of both men um i slightly i lean towards tyson fury slightly more but everyone's saying that you know it's going to be a one-sided beatdown by fury uh they don't know boxing joshua is a good boxer man um he can punch hard he can box uh and you know this he's got no chin i don't buy it he's a tough guy he's been in there with some killers uh, and I think it's a 50-50 fight. I genuinely do. I think anyone thinking that Fury's just going to go in there and blow Joshua away, I don't see it that way. I don't see it that way. I hope we get a few good fights out of them. You know, you know, I'd love a trilogy because um, I'd definitely be watching every single one. I think it's a shame it's not going to happen in Wembley. I think the, the biggest fight in British history should happen in this country, in England. Um but I, I don't think it's going to. I think it's going to go over to the Middle East. You know, you've got the Middle East money. And obviously they're going to demand massive purses for this fight. And I don't blame them because they know the, uh, the crap, you know, the, they know the attention is, is there uh, for them to demand those massive fees. And obviously with the corona that's just ruined everything that's good in life. Uh, I think people are being naive if they think we're going to go from, you know, meeting another household outdoors to having 90,000 people in a packed out stadium by June which is when they're saying the fight is going to happen I just I just don't see that happening uh, but yeah so that's something else I'm looking forward to that is going to be just an incredible event and back on the personal training side of things because I always bring it around to this if you're in a, the uh, fitness industry if you are a personal trainer you're going to be very busy very busy if you know how to uh sell your services if you know how to put yourself in the limelight if you know how to put yourself in a position where people want to train with you you're going to be very very busy you know i read something the other day that 10 million people had a gym membership before uh the first lockdown 10 million people okay only ten thousand of those people went to the gym <laughs> but 10 million people had a membership crazy man uh, and I think it's going to come back stronger than ever because the microscope or the magnifying glass is so much more on health now than it has in previous years. And I think even more so now, because what was maybe a medical condition you could have controlled easily with medication is now going to put you at a much higher risk of mortality if another virus comes around or another pandemic comes around. And that is definitely going to be on the back of people's mind. I need to get healthy now. I don't want to be in a vulnerable position if something like this happens again. And we'll be there to open, um, greet them with open arms, baby. So, you know, everyone's been eating and drinking what they like because there's been nothing else to do in lockdown. So these people are going to rock up, built like cement mixers. <laughs> You're going to be there to help them. All right. You're going to be there to help them. It doesn't matter if they're going to have the body fat of a port scratching. You're going to be there with your services to get them through it and uh, get them healthy and fit again. All right. And if you can't sell PT after this lockdown, then you're in the wrong industry. I'll tell you that uh, because this is going to be a busy, busy time for all of us.
Ah, sorry, I've had to do a separate cut and uh, carry on with the podcast. I dropped the microphone and I damaged it and I had to go and get another microphone. And now I've completely lost the flow of that first part of the podcast. And I'm pissed because I was just thinking, I'm fucking nailing this this week. This is flowing, baby. Uh, so anyway, I was saying about being busy. Uh, you know, I've been busy trying to get the gyms going, uh, doing them up, making them all look pretty for when we reopen. And one of the mirrors was smashed. Uh, someone had an accident with a dumbbell. So um, a few of the other mirrors have had to be replaced as well. So uh, we got a load delivered um, on this lorry and we had to get them, 10 of them, out the lorry with these industrial suckers. I don't know if you've ever used them, but it's like you pump them up so you put them flat on the surface and you pump them up you pump them up and it uh, creates a vacuum to the mirror but it's kind of like one of them things where you know you pick it up and you're like shit is this gonna hold and we had to get them onto the tail lift down off the lorry down through this slalom of objects and up into the office and uh it was a bit like playing do you remember that game operation where if you if you touch the sides on that guy as you were trying to pull out his fucking humorous it would go right and uh, it would give you a little electric shock or something. It was a bit like playing that, but if you touch the sides with these, it costs you 250 quid every time. Uh, so that was fun, manoeuvring them out um, into the office. And some of the, we're having some new dumbbells done as well, like some new dumbbells made up this company. They're, they're awesome. They, they make them out of metal and then they laser engrave the logo into them. They look absolutely unreal, but they take about eight weeks to come. And um, so... In the meantime, because our dumbbells are shot, I, I, a friend was kind enough to lend us um, one to 60 kilos in the dumbbells in pairs. And we had to get them off the lorry as well. And that is just like brutal. Like a 60 kilo dumbbell is like 10 Jack Russells strapped together or something. And you're lugging that across like the concrete. So after a day of doing that, I was just absolutely spent between moving the mirrors and the dumbbells. So obviously, as I said the other week, on the podcast on a Friday um, I always treat myself uh, with something nice to eat and I always go to pizza pizza is the holy grail of food and if you disagree then you're probably a sociopath and you need to go and see someone about it because I just I just don't I don't understand and I don't trust people that don't like pizza it's cheese bread and meat I mean how can you go wrong with that recipe so I was in I was in the co-op actually and um, I like some of their finest pizzas as you do you know and uh, I was looking over this rectangular one, long rectangular box. You know, they got that little film window, that little plastic window where you can see the toppings. I was like looking through that, thinking, oh, yeah, that looks tasty. That looks that looks damn good. And uh, I got him home uh, and I had to laugh at this. I like tore the packaging off and those toppings I could see through the little rectangular window. They were the only toppings. <laughs> the rest of the pizza was barren. And this, what looked like a big slice of pepperoni through the window, like, oh yeah, to be continued on the rest of the pizza. Nah, nah, that had been perfectly cut to the window of this pizza. That was it. It was like a football field of margarita. And I had to like scatter one and a half pieces of pepperoni across this, this pizza. Um, so that was a bit heartbreaking. Uh, but the red wine was nice. And uh, so we've had some, we've had some questions again this week let me just load them up here on my phone so the first one here we go hi Oliver 
I've always been someone with low confidence. I just started working out at the gym. Good man, good man. Before, lo- uh, sorry, I've just started working out at the gym before lockdown and it's given me more confidence in myself and in my body image. That's what I'm saying, my man. Self-improvement, that is the key to life. Your, sh- your t-shirt sleeves are starting to look tighter. You're getting those double glances from the opposite sex. Lovely stuff. What I still struggle with and what still affects me and my confidence is I find myself saying sorry a lot of the time to people, even if it's not required. Okay, so you're saying sorry and you don't need to. I feel like I'm trying to people please all of the time and that people think less of me because of it. I really want to stop this habit, but it always just happens automatically. Okay, it doesn't say your age here, but I'm assuming you're a younger guy. Um, I used to I used to do this quite a lot uh, when I was younger. You end up saying sorry if someone bumps into you or like someone, you know, you order something at the restaurant and they bring out the wrong item and you apologise for it. It's like, what the fuck? But what I will say is, as your confidence increases, you know, as you continue going to the gym, working on yourself, do some reading as well. Um, you'll, you'll stop doing this. You'll stop doing this so much. And, and what it is, is like you say, you're automatically doing it. So I assume, you, you know, your thoughts are running wild and you're talking from an emotional place. So, you know, as soon as anything happens, like, yeah, sorry, my bad, my bad. Um, and what, what you need to try and do is you need to try and slow your thoughts down at times like this, okay? And try and speak from a place of logic rather than a place of emotion. So if you find you're doing this a lot, um, just try and slow your thoughts down and think, do I really need to be sorry? Have I actually done anything wrong? Um, and if you haven't done anything wrong, then don't apologize because you, you, you've got nothing to apologize for. Um, so yeah, just slow your thoughts down, my man. You know, stop speaking from a place of emotion all the time. And um, But what I will say is just don't be so hard on yourself, mate. Like, confidence comes with time and overcoming certain things in life, like achieving goals. Like, you've, you know, you've obviously set yourself a goal to go to the gym, um, improve yourself, get a, you know, increase your health, um, get a better body. And uh, as soon as lockdown's over, I'm sure you go back to the gym. And in time... Uh, you'll keep getting more and more confidence and things like this will just naturally stop happening so much as you get a bit more self-esteem and a bit more self-worth. All right, so keep that going, my man. Um, That's great news. Oh, and also, I was just thinking, you know, you say you apologise too much and, you know, that is something you might want to change. But I'll tell you what is definitely worse than apologising too much and that is people that just do not apologize at all. Under whatever situation, under whatever circumstance, they just never apologize. Because I think people have the wrong impression uh, with apologizing. A lot of people still think that makes you weak. No, if you don't apologize when you need to, that makes you weak, my friend, okay? Apologizing does not make you weak, okay? If you hurt someone's feelings, if you're, if you're in the wrong, apologize. It's as simple as that. And uh, people's respect for you will go up rather than down. So I know you think you're apologising too much at the moment, but don't swing so far the other way, which is what I did when I was younger. I I went the other way and just started acting like a complete arsehole and I was never in the wrong, always arguing everything. 
Well, I argue everything now, but I can concede when I'm wrong and I will apologise. Don't go that way. Don't be one of them guys. Uh, because there's nothing weaker than someone that doesn't know when is the right time to apologise. And actually, just thinking of that, um, and this is where I still slip up. <coughs> and this is going to sound like a humble brag, but it's, it's not. Uh, I tore my bicep off in, in 2017 in a boxing match, and I've had two operations on it since, and I'm still having issues with it. So I go and see this surgeon, who I'm not going to name, um, in Manchester. So it's a good five-hour journey from, from where I am. Um, and I had this scan done in uh, in a place closer to where I am now. And the results were supposed to be sent down um, to the Manchester hospital. And I, I phoned the Manchester hospital to confirm this was the case. And they said, yes, no problem. Um, the results have been sent down. So I said, okay, no problem. Uh, so I drove down to the appointment to Manchester. And it turns out they, they didn't have my results. My, my MRI, which I had, the scans weren't there. Um, no one had received them. And there was nothing they could do. Um, and I'd had a long day, a long day driving. I was stressed. I was in a bad mood. I had to shift a load of things around um, so that I could get down there. And the surgeon was telling me that, you know, they didn't have the results and there was nothing they could do. And I could just feel this storm rising in me. I was getting, you know, it was building and building. And uh, I got out of the hospital, like probably stormed out like a petulant child. Um, and I couldn't get it back out of the car park. Um, something was going wrong with the barrier or something. So I said to the car park attendant, look, uh, you know, I can't get out. And he gave me some like sarcastic comment. And with that, I just launched a load of somewhat creative, but definitely explicit in his direction. Like I really let him have it. And, you know, his face was like one of shock and a bit of hurt. And I just thought to myself, mate, Ollie, grow up for fuck's sake. You haven't got the result you wanted. Um, it's not gone your way, but it's nothing to do with this guy. He's just t trying to do his job. And the last thing he needs is some, you know, moody fucking prick giving him shit, probably near the end of his shift. So I turned to him and I said, you know, I'm really sorry about that. Um, I didn't mean anything I said. I've had a bad day. I didn't get the result in the hospital that I wanted. And... Um, and yeah, just, you know, sorry, that was that was uncalled for. And the guy said, yeah, it's not a problem. And um, I shook his hand and that was it. But if I hadn't have apologised, which would have been the old me, I would have just carried this like tension on my shoulders for the rest of the day thinking, why did you do that? Why did you give him shit like that? And I still did to some extent, but I was glad that I apologised. But what I'm saying is, you know, that guy might still think I'm a bit of an ass, but apologising went some way um, to rectifying the situation. So anyway, there are times when apologising is um, is needed. And on the subject of apologising too much, all these stories are coming flooding back to me. I remember when I was 19 and uh, I couldn't, I couldn't, um, I couldn't say no and I, I always apologise for everything as well and I was around a, a girlfriend's at the time's house and uh, the one thing I cannot eat on this planet and I cannot stand whatsoever is mushrooms. I can't I can't stand the look of them. I can't stand the, stand the smell of them. I can't stand the feel of them. They're just, they're just disgusting. I don't understand how anyone tolerates their presence even in a supermarket. I will, I will go down, I will detour round 
different aisles. I'll go down the fucking baking aisle just to avoid mushrooms. Like, I don't care if the journey takes me twice as long. I'm heading straight past the Ritz crackers, straight past the bagels just to avoid their mushrooms. Anyway, so uh, this this mum, this girlfriend's mum, <coughs> had made this lasagna. And uh, I, she actually said to me, um, do you like mushrooms? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I love them. Because I just couldn't say no, as if like, if I said no, I don't, that she'd just be like, oh my God, you disgrace of a human. Like, what was she going to say if I said no? She'd probably just be like, yeah, no worries. Anyway, so I said, yeah, like, I love them. And she served this lasagna and I had a big mouthful of this lasagna, all these like devil mushrooms in my mouth. And I could feel like, just like tears, like forming in my eyes and streaming down my cheeks. And with that, she like turned to me and was like, is it nice? I was like, yeah, yeah, it's lovely. You know, as I was fighting back the urge to be sick. All of this just because I couldn't say no. And uh, which is, you know, a similar situation to you saying sorry too much. Um, but yeah, just a ridiculous, you know, ridiculous scenario. And so I can I can understand where you're coming from. And um, don't worry, it gets better with time. I can now say no to mushrooms. That is one life skill that I picked up. Um I went out for a pizza before lockdown and my friend had mushrooms on his half of the pizza. We shared one and I didn't want mushrooms. And uh, I said to this waiter, you know, um, I just I just don't like mushrooms on the pizza on my half. And she was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. I was like, no, no, no. Sorry, you, you don't understand. The chef can't even form an image of a mushroom in his mind whilst he's touching my half of the pizza because I will sense it. I will feel that that thought has graced itself on my half of the pizza. Anyway, so what I'm saying, my man, is I understand where you're coming from. It'll get better in time. Keep cracking on. Cool, I went on a bit there. Right, and the second question we've had, or I've had, should I say, is no we, it's just me and my other personalities. Hey, Ollie, you candle-smelling dickhead. <laughs> I've got one lit right now, actually. Gingerbread, very nice. I've been studying psychology at university and am in my second year. I dislike the course very much I have chosen and I feel like I've made a huge mistake. I want to drop out, but no, I don't have any other options. What do you suggest I do? Um, well, first of all, kudos to you at uni at the moment because I assume you're doing everything over Zoom and non-contact, so that must be quite difficult in itself. And straight away, what I'm picking up from the tone of your um, email, there's no name, so I don't know what your name is, that uh, it's very catastrophizing. I learned that from my uh, therapy session when I was placing leaves. Sorry, my problems on the leaves. Very catastrophizing. You've got a very black and white way of thinking. So you're saying, if you don't finish the course, you don't have any other options. First of all, I'm going to say to you, you do have other options, my man. There is always other options. There's plenty of skills you'll have, even if you don't recognize them yourself, or there's plenty, plenty of attributes that you'll have that you can turn towards other skills so don't sweat about that it is absolutely not the end if you do decide to drop out you will make your, something of yourself i guarantee it but apart from that i would say you're in your second year i assume it's a three-year course i'm assuming a lot today i'm assume i assume it's a second uh, a three-year course so that means you've only got a year and a bit left to do which at this time in your life seems like a very very long time but it's really not. I mean, I, f I started uni a decade ago, 10 years. I can't believe it's been that long. And a year and a half in your career and your education is not long at all. So what I would say to you, my man, 
is keep going with it, you know, grit your teeth, do your best, get your grade, finish the course and get your degree. And you'll always have that degree then. Because in 10 years time, you might decide that you actually want to go back to psychology, go back to that sort of career. You just never know what's going to happen in life. And if you don't finish the course, then you haven't got that qualification to fall back on. But if you do finish it and you do decide to revisit psychology, then you've always got that degree open to you. You've always got that career path open to you. And I find and I believe that life's always about keeping your options open, not burning bridges because you never know which way it's going to twist and turn in the road. So the more options you have left open to you, <coughs> especially in terms of your career, um, then the better you are for it. All right, my man. So don't catastrophize things. If you do drop out, you'll always find something else you're going to do. Uh, but my advice would be to, like I say, grit your teeth, carry on with the course and do your best. That's all you can do, your best. Anyway, so that's it for this week's episode. What's that? Um, episode three now. We're on a roll. So sorry about that little uh interval in the middle there with the microphone uh, i won't drop it next week and uh yeah have a great weekend and i'll see you next week for episode four